You're listening to the No Regrets Podcast with Kate. I am your host, Kate Hutchinson, author, healer, soul searcher. No Regrets is about healing. Healing the limiting beliefs that are holding you back from living the life you dream of. On this podcast, everyday people of all ages share their journey through this thing called life. Let their stories inspire you to never wonder what if and live with no regrets. I wanted to welcome Angela Lawson today. I'm speaking with her and I'm so excited. She is sitting in, you're in the big island of Hawaii, correct? Yes. So I'm talking to her over the oceans. And I met Angela in 2010. I was moving out to Barstow, California because I was going to work at Fort Irwin, an army base. And I happened to look up for a good meetup group and I found hers and we connected and then we... I ended up joining her in a meditation group and we would do all sorts of cool things at her house. And so I have not spoken to her in years, so I'm really excited to hear what's been going on the last few years with her. But I also want to hear about her journey and her husband's in the military or was retired military. And so I want to hear like where all that took you and how... Because you're very spiritual, you believe in essential oils and astrology and crystals and all those things, and then you're married to somebody in the military, which is almost like the quad, the total opposite, right? And then I love the story how you and Tad met, her husband Tad, so I just want to get started. So how are you? <laughs> and thank you for being on my show. I am great. <laughs> Good. I am honored. I am so honored to be here. Good. Yay. So... Yeah, where does it all start for you? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, did life take you into different directions that you never thought possible? All that good stuff. I want to talk about it all. And isn't that the truth for all of us? I mean, did any of us really end up where we thought we would? And um, no, I grew up a poor child in Arkansas. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I kind of did. But um, anyway... (laughs) Um, no, I met Tad when I was a flight attendant in DC and, uh, it was, I had made a friend who happened to be from South Carolina and she had contacted me and said, Hey, when you get back from your trip, there's, uh, I'm just have a party with this group of people from my, my law school buddies and, you know, would you be interested there in the army? And I was like, mm, I, I don't know if that's for me. And she was like, oh, it's free beer and they're cooking us dinner. And I was like, I'm in. I'm totally, <laughs> right. that's, it's all good. You know, I was 23, 20, no, 21. Oh my gosh. Anyway. And so I got off the plane. I went home and showered. I met Sally and he answered the door. And that's right. The rest is history. Well, you wasn't know? he dating somebody else and then like 
what he was and then because this is what in the 80s right so i just remember you guys it was like the 90s. oh the 90s okay but still you may have had a pager that's about it but I you guys did. <laughs> I had a pager i had a totally i had a pager a big and, one on um, your hip so you could be cool. yes yes oh and gosh. so fancy <laughs> yeah and didn't you guys like have to you know back in the day you'd actually have to handwrite letters and like put a stamp on it and stuff yes, right you have such a good memory I because... just I was just telling my friend the other day I'm like I can't wait to her to tell the story I love the story how she met her husband and so with the letters and oh, everything and, and yeah definitely and so we met and and he his story is you know we answered the door and he was like I, I knew I was going to marry her and wow, that's, that's a big order to fill. But I didn't know that, of course, but I spoke to him the next day and um, he called and I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. And then he wrote me a letter, but the letterhead was on like this very army. Like I remember there being like some soldier on the top of the letterhead and it was just so oh my goodness but so loving you know I look back now and I think how lucky we were to to have that kind of interaction and that he did that right I still have it but of course. Uh, and and I remember and here's the weird thing I have this flashback because you remember Michael Jackson's video it was do you remember the time and you know and they had like world premiere videos oh yeah, yeah. and that was on the VH1 <laughs> And it was showing, and I remember getting his letter that same time, and I was living in D.C., and got that letter, and I thought, wow, that's special, you know, but obviously, almost 27 years later, I remember that. That's so amazing, and you have one son, Stuart, correct, yes. and how old is he now? Gosh. He is 23. Stop. He is going to be 24 in June. I, it blows my mind. Wow, and where is he going to school? Actually, he, he graduated from NAU in Flagstaff, so Northern Arizona University. Okay. He graduated, and uh, he's now working for this. It, he does geospatial analysis, and so, wow. it, yeah, it sounds ooh so big, but right now he's mapping streetlights. <laughs> so you got to start a, somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. So he's actually in San Diego right now, and um, he's traveling with this uh, company called Davari, and so happy. I think his, I, I don't know if that's his forever job, and that's okay, but yeah, he's hes doing his thing, and he comes to visit his mother often because of my location, and I'm, I'm grateful. Right. So you met Tad, you were a flight attendant, and you met Tad... Where was your life, like, were you happy with what you are doing? And then how did your life change into this military life and then moving all over the place and following his career and all that? I wouldn't say I was happy, probably. I I loved the traveling aspect of it, but I just felt so discombobulated. I'm such, I, I think I need a home structure, no matter where that is. I just need some kind of base, and I think it was really hard for me. So when we got married, I was based out of Baltimore, and then I transferred to Nashville, which was a very senior base because we, he was at um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky during that time. And so we got married. American Airlines went on strike, and it was kind of this nice segue for me to just 
give my notice. So I didn't, I flew for maybe a year after we were married or during that time period. And honestly, there was a comfort in just knowing that I could be a housewife. And that sounds really weird for a lot of people because Mm -hmm. that's not, not who they are. And, and, uh, for me, it was, it was an opportunity to travel and then just, just be a, a nester. And I love that. I totally love that. That's okay. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And so, and there the story began. And from there, so I I quit American and then I got a job at Pier One (laughs) there in, there at Fort Campbell. And uh, that was, it was perfect. You know, it's kind of now I look back and I think, oh, wow, the symbolism of that. Like, yeah, just go and furnish your little house with little knickknacks by working at Pier One, which is what I did. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So Tadza was an attorney. Is he still active or is he now that he's in retirement or he's just enjoying golf and on the big island and that's that? He is. And it's funny because as we get older, our focus kind of shifts. And so um, once we got here, he was actually working at a – another apartment complex and was doing wills. So that kind of tells you where we are in our life, you know, that he's assisting (laughs) people that are kind of like his parents. And so he did a few wills for people, but he, he um, toyed with the idea of taking the Hawaii state bar, but just know that would take away from all the idea of us like retiring at an age where we can really enjoy. So no, his, his modus operandi is golfing. Wow. And it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't doubt it. How old are you guys now? Like if you don't mind saying. No. Are you kidding? No. I turned 50 in September and then he is I guess he's 54, 53. Wow. 53. He's the same age as the Super Bowl. That's how <laughs> I remember it's like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, same age. So um, yeah. So, so wow, him. that's a great. Like it's like you guys are young to be retired. Yeah, we great. really are. Yeah, it it is. And but what I did realize is I am pretty high maintenance. So to supplement the retirement pay, I kind of you know, that's why I ended up having to go back to work at, or go to work. Oh my gosh, that was the journey. First time I really worked outside the home in. 25 years. Oh, was here when you got to Hawaii? Yeah. Yep. Totally. My first job here was I ended up waitressing at the local bar up at Tropics. And here I was at that time, 40, 48, 47. I mean, totally out of my comfort zone, but it was a great experience because it integrated me into the local community for better or worse. It, it did. Um, and that's a whole other, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to definitely touch base on it a little bit. But so you were a housewife and you followed your husband around for 20 years in the military. And right. when I met you, you guys had one more duty station after Fort Irwin, right? You On the East Coast? Two. Oh, two? two. Yeah. So we, um, we left Fort Irwin and we went to Fort Belvoir. So he was SJA. And then he was SJA at Fort Belvoir, or um, yeah, Fort Belvoir, and we lived on post, and that was great. Our son went to high school there, and we were 
thought we would be there longer. And at those last duty stations, Tad was supposed to get deployed. And he didn't. It was really interesting. And then from there, we went to um, Fort Bliss, Texas, El Paso. And um, he was supposed to deploy there. But that was another beautiful community. And uh, Stuart ended up graduating high school there. And Tad retired his... Stuart was in his junior year. So it was December of Stu's junior year. And then he had his senior year and we bought this humongous fifth wheel and we parked it at Fort, Fort Bliss's, you know, once we had to move off post um, and then parked it over in the, the um, area right across from Stu's high school. It was Chapin high school. And so we were like, he will definitely go to college. If we make him live in a fifth wheel with us <laughs> for, for the last for his senior year, that child is going to go places. <laughs> uh, so um, that's what we did. And so Fort Bliss was our last duty station. And then Stu graduated and then we got him moved in and we kind of traveled around the West after that, just looking, um, making sure that Hawaii might be our final home. Okay, so I just want to clarify for the listeners, SJA is Staff Judge Advocate, which is basically the head of the legal department on base. Correct. Yeah, so I just want to clarify that. I know, it's habit. I do it at my new work, and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) And and I'm so bad at acronyms anyway, and then it's like, that's probably one of the few I know. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, yes. So when I met you, you were holding like a Reiki meditation energy type meetup group. Were you always into meditation and energy healing and that sort of thing? Or where did that show up in your in your journey? And, you know, you've said a couple times it was interesting that Tad didn't get deployed. So do you think that, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways and all that good stuff? Like everything happens for a reason? I definitely do. And I, I was talking about this yesterday with a friend and I thought, you know, I think, uh, I don't think that I willed that to happen. I think there's a divine plan. I think we have karma, but I definitely think that we were in a protected place. And I think he and I and our relationship and especially being in that community of being in the military, we were an anomaly for sure, because I don't think a lot of wives could have pursued the path I wanted to go. I, but I never had any doubt, but I was always interested in that, but it wasn't until after we were married. I mean, we were in Germany and my first real class was with Charles Virtue Mm. and was in Hamburg, and that was in 2000, and when did I move? 2009. It was it was actually the summer before we moved to Fort Irwin. Oh, so you were kind of new in that space when I met you. God, I it never was, would have guessed. Well, never. the Reiki was prior, so I lied a little bit. So it was 2006 that I took my Reiki courses, and I did one and two. So I took the Reiki, and I had been reading on all of that. So 2006 was kind of the beginning, but 2009 is when I felt like I kind of, I budgeted, and I went, and I took this class, and I I left and, and took the weekend workshop. That was like the first where I was away from my family, mm-hmm. took the train, went up north, and did that. And that's when I met my friend Birkin, who... Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and that was in Hamburg, and then from there it just kind of like was this trajectory of forward that it was like I can't turn back now with that, and now there's been classes ever since. So what do you mean by turn back? Like, was your perspective of life shifted because of those things, or it's like once you see something you can't unsee it type thing? Was it kind of like that? I think knowing my truth and knowing that it was more important than maybe what my obligations would be to being to the military, if that makes sense. Just meaning that at that point, knowing that that spiritual path was going to be more important than maybe what my obligations would be as being a wife in the military with a high ranking husband. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. True. Cause there yeah. are certain obligations. Yes. And I think I, I mean, I was pretty, I don't, we talked about having these plans, right. And I've just always kind of gone by, gone by the seat of my pants, but I trust what my heart and my gut tell me. And when you know something with that inner knowing, it's like, ah, oh, this is what I was put on this planet for. This is what I'm supposed to be feeling and what I'm supposed to be doing. And when you connect to that, and, and granted, you know, having my son, I felt the same thing. So uh, he was always a priority. But as far as the spirituality part of it, I knew that it was like, I got to pursue this. I've got to, I got to shine my light. So what are you, what kind of work are you doing today? All these years have passed. You have all these certifications now. So what are you doing today? Well, it's exciting, actually. <laughs> it's excited. Since I moved here, that's been an interesting story in its own as well. But I actually just got certified to become a facilitator for Chakra Dance. And Congratulations. I, thank you. And I am so... I'm... it's like the missing puzzle piece for me. So I do my daily practice of that meditation, but this is like moving meditation and the music is geared toward the particular chakra that you're working with. And then we could go in and have this long conversation about, Oh, I know there's more than the seven chakras. I get it. We're, you know, we're fifth dimensional beings, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like this is such a beautiful way to even, introduce certain people into energy work that have no idea that they're doing energy work and they're doing all of that. So I'm really excited. And so now I'm just trying to find a place here on the island to, to teach that. And, um, yeah, that's coming together. And I have, I have, uh, but it's funny. I found out on epiphany on the six that, that I passed, I had to send in my demo and all of that. So, so that's kind of where I'm going from there. And then I'm also doing pranic healing, not chronic, pranic, as in prana. Okay. um, I love it. I love that modality and it can be interwoven with the, the chakra dance too. So, and there's groups here that are doing meditation and that kind of thing. So I think I'm finally finding, finding my people here on the island. Oh, good. Your tribe. Yes, exactly. So that's why you got to come. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice, and I will show up at your door. So I'm just telling you now. I've got, I've got this loft up here that's so come, come, 
great. So you mentioned um, offline that there was even an initiation from the transition of military life to retirement and then getting acclimated to the island. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that journey, like how that changed uh, you or your life or your perspective and anything else that, you know, in previous years that kind of didn't turn out the way you thought it would. And I mean, I think you said even offline just right before we started was that, you know, the three, five, 10 year land is bullshit. Right. Yeah. You know, like, oh. let's talk about why it's bullshit. And most it's, people would agree with you because you can't plan for everything. Right. You cannot plan for any of it. I mean, it, it's such a subtle, fine line, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. it's not to be just whimsical all the time and not not have savings and not have this. And I'm fortunate to have this man who, you know, he's he's a planner and, and thanks to him, we had this opportunity. And believe me, I know that I'm blessed in that sense. But, oh, uh, yeah. So Stuart was my focus, like he was my life and my purpose. I mean, besides my spiritual pursuit, but day to day, he was my life. I was a mother. And so when he left, that left more of a, kind of a midlife crisis for me than I expected. And it's not like I didn't hear from him again, you know, and Tad and I are on the same sheet, of, but it was, it was more difficult. I felt like I didn't know who I was. I was going to say um, your so, identity was probably uh, kind of attached to that being a mom. Very much. Yeah. I, who am I? Right. I? I'm Stuart's mom and I'm Tad's wife. And I didn't realize how much of my life was, was that. And that's glorious. And I sound like such a cliche. It's funny as we get older that we, we begin to like fall into those cliches. And, and I think that's kind of nice because we end up hearing the message we need to hear from the, the mentors that are before us. But, and Christian Northrup and all of those Hay House authors, it's like, oh, wow, now I get it. But um, that was that was hard. But it was also very exciting because with us living in the RV or not RV, it was fifth wheel, but same, same. But we kind of had the excitement of looking at these places and visiting Stuart. And so it gave Tad and me a time. It was almost like a second honeymoon for us because, you know, we got mm -hmm. to rediscover and be in the space together again. And and that was wonderful. And then we got to the island, and th what took, what brought me to this island, as you know, was my 40th birthday. I manifested, like, I'm going to come, I'm going to take angel classes, and then boom, 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 I was coming back here. And I really thought that my divine plan was to land here on this island, start doing energy work, you know, have my spiritual business, and just go my merry way, and that's not what happened that's not what happened we found a we found a place to live but it's almost like I went backward because as I said I started working at the bar restaurant and that brought me to a different level of energy and not bad not good it, it, it just was but it brought me to a denser place of being I just was kind of stagnated for for several years but it also in grained this the people that live here and it was that was the blessing I think it slowed me down so that I would really get to know people on a one-to-one -one level uh, warts and all 
and and kind of deal with my own demons, if that made sense. You know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So how long did you work at the bar? That was only like three months, and then oh, I got. Okay. And then I got my job at Fairwind. And that's a whole other culture, too, you know, like this whole boating culture. And, I mean, it's the best, you know, shameless plug for them, but that's the best snorkel cruise on the island. I, I Hands down, it was it's a, an incredible place. And they treat their employees just incredibly well. But with all that, it was like that whole story of like, Oh, I'm happy. I should be happy. I should really feel content here. I should really feel like this is where I can work the rest of my, my days. But I didn't because I knew I wasn't living my purpose. Mm. And, and it was, I had to give my notice. And this past year when I did that, there was a freeing kind of feeling about that. But with that said, there are friendships that will be there forever. So what what is that feeling when you feel you're not living your purpose? Like, what does that feel like for you? Is it annoying? Is it just kind of uncomfortable? You know, how would you describe it? I felt depression. Really? I, I yeah, I really felt a sense of depression and numbness. Um, and and in all honesty, like I'm not afraid to talk about. Like I just wanted to. I drank a lot. Like, I just wanted to, I know now, like in retrospect, why I was doing it. I thought I was doing it to socialize and fit in and, and just to have these moments with people. But it was about numbing myself so that I wouldn't feel the sadness of not doing what I wanted to do. You know, does that make sense? Yes. And I'm, this is amazing. Like, were you conscious of it that your depression and your drink, your increased drinking, like that it wasn't your, you weren't living your purpose or you just did know, you just knew something wasn't right. Did you know the distinction? I think I knew knew all along. And I think what happens is fear seeps in fear of, of uh, the stability of that money. Because again, I'll backtrack and say, I hadn't had a full-time job that was paying in years. And so all of a sudden I'm having this income come in too. And then that little wolfy voice in your head starts telling you, Oh, you can't quit. You know, this, you can't do that. You can't survive without this. So it makes you feel like you're in this trap and, and that there's no way. And even though, you know, if I were hearing someone else say that to me, I'd be like, no, you cannot listen to that voice. When it's in your own head, it's powerful. And then the alcohol fuels the rest of that voice. And it just gives you this treadmill of just negative thought of, of the ego that's that's lying. It's totally lying. And it wasn't until, well, I'll tell you, it was November of last year. And I just kept feeling my grandmother like I had even felt like I'd numbed so much of my life out just so I could just keep doing it. Like I just I have to keep keep plugging along. I can't let go of this. There's no other way. I'm, and why who am I to complain? I'm living in this beautiful space, blah, 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 you know, that whole thing. And my grandmother and she came to me in my dream. My grandpa did. And so I got up in the middle of the night and I went out on the lanai, and I do that a lot because the stars are so beautiful here. Even where we live in Keahoe, I still 
they have this beautiful night sky and I just was bawling and I was like, can you give God, give me a sign, give me a sign that I need to give my, my notice. And the most, this huge shooting star that I have Stop never it. seen flew in front of me. It was, it was like, I thought it was, I just, I gasped. It was huge. It was like out of a movie because it was so stupidly like gargantuan. And I was like, I just, oh almost fell to my knees and I was like oh my gosh I, I get it I get it and then this owl screeched flew in front and screeched and I was like I got it and I came and I started typing up my my um notice oh for my, my work and it was like and started looking for flights and so you know I I, I went in, and this was before Thanksgiving. It was actually, it was like, it was Wednesday before the Thanksgiving of that year, so I waited until that Monday to get my notice. But, And then they asked me to stay part-time, and I did, but it didn't work. But I went home and, and got to see my grandma, and then she transitioned about a month after I, I went and visited her. Actually. So where did you fly to? To Arkansas. Oh, to Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was long-winded. No, but, no, that's perfect. Yeah, but but it's like when you ask for a sign. And that you, was like in oh your face, my, like you couldn't ignore it, right? I almost got slapped by an angel. I mean, it was just like, yeah, okay. If I had ignored that, can you imagine? Right. Like what else would you even pay attention to if you ignored that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so fearlessly, it was like, I got to do this. I got I got to go. Uh, I mean, but was your fear warranted? Because you I mean, you guys had aside from your, you know, working at the cruise line and Tad, you know, working at the golf course, yeah, you're on a fixed income, right? So you kind of need your salary? Is that what that is? And I don't. I don't. That's the funny thing. And that's that wolfy voice in the head, right? You know, and that's, I'm stealing that whole thing, by the way. It's, it's um, a Native American story, which you may already know about, but mm-hmm. it's, it's this grandfather goes and speaks, um, he's speaking to his grandson and says, son, uh, I have two voices in my head, uh, two, two wolves. Uh, and one is cunning and lying and, and the other is positive and you know, this story goes on and then the grandson says, well, which one is in your head? And he said, the one I feed. Oh. And so it's, and so there is actually this incredible sober coach. Um, her name is Belle and, um, she uses that line of that wolfie. So anytime I'm tempted to listen to that negative impulse, I'm just like, F you, Wolfie. F you. I, I'm not listening to you. You know, there's something about naming it. It's it. There's many, you know, practices. Like I think about Colette Baron Reed. You know, they always talk about name that dog or that pet that's in you that the Wolfie um, part. But I think that voice was actually saying, "There's no way you can survive without that," and that's bullcrap. Because first of all, if I'm not having to socialize in those aspects to keep myself numbed enough, <laughs> that saves a lot of money. You don't need that. <laughs> right. Right. And you, you know. said sober coach. Did I hear you right? Yeah. S-O-B-E-R? Yes. What is and a sober she's, coach? She's online and free, and it's for anyone who is either sober curious or just looking to curb their curb their drinking to, um, you know, take a 100-day challenge Um, or 
completely you know stop drinking but she's uh, she gives a practical i think for me i always thought well the only thing there is is aa and that's not true there there there's a lot on the online community and i urge people to if if this resonates with them there's lots and i just uh, read this book um called um the unexpected joy of being sober and that is that's worth reading whether you want to stop drinking or not that's that's a really good really good book well i follow the author that wrote sober curious oh my gosh is yeah. that her like is no, she different no. oh okay cuz yeah Belle. i haven't read her book yet so well, Belle's book is uh, Tired of Thinking About Drinking, and she also has the blog by the same name. And um, you might be interested in that as well, to follow her. It, it just, it, you know, like they, they really uh, integrate beautifully. I know that some people, they may not drink. I, I'm not a big drinker, so I drink right. like maybe once or twice a month if I'm lucky. But yeah. I'm, I'm curious of the experimentation and the studies that show how life is so much different if you drink or you don't. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, and there's another guy named Jason Vale. Now he's a little bit, his book was more like subliminal deprogramming, you know, but it, it's a great tool. It really is. I, I'm not, and I know AA has helped, oh my gosh, millions of people. So I would never, I, I am not poo-pooing that at all. It was not resonant with me. Sure. Um, I don't like to affirm that I'm anything less than something positive. And I'm not going to affirm that I'm an alcoholic. I, I just am not going to do that because I just, for me personally, I think that that is not the route that I'm, I need to take. Sure. Um, so I love this uh, this kind of empowerment where you talk to other people who are in the same boat and I don't know it gave me not only tools of uh, social cues and, and helping me understand myself it let me understand the scientific portion when we drink and we pour alcohol on our head about certain things we're wiring ourselves in a certain way and it takes a some time to rewire that and when we take alcohol from the equation a lot of times that can help cure our anxiety our depression and and those other things not always because yes those are real real problems sure um, but for me I'm somebody who's been doing meditation and healing work for a long time and I was just pouring alcohol on top of that and no wonder none of that was working completely you know what I mean so for me that was another aha Obviously, the difference was noticeable, but once you quit your job, was mm -hmm. it like this like weight was lifted or how did that feel or did it take some time to like work through the fear or what happened there? You know, it, it as the universe does, it presents teachers to us at just the right time. So when I quit, oh, I actually, I started the, the Chakra Dance had this. I'll backtrack. And so about the same time that I got my big sign from above, I had just found Chakra Dance. And about a week after that, she had this invitation to do a deep dive course starting in January of last year. And each month would be a new chakra. And, and we would devote that entire time. There were only 20 of us that were in the group. And then it would be one-on-one -on -one mentorship. So it's almost like they just, God handed me this plate of like, and she ended up this friendship with Nash. 
me. We turned 50 together last year, blah, blah, you know, all these synchronicities. So with that said, I think that helped me because I go back in my journal. And so we started the root chakra. That's family safety, security. Foundation, so that's yep. what I had to, had to hit the first month of last year. And so by the time I actually, you know, got to where I gave my second notice, throat chakra. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> I, I sit here and just like, I could write a book because it and was you so should. ridiculous. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I'm like, oh my gosh, it'd be like gone with the wind. Nobody, people would be <laughs> sleeping before they got to the end of it. But, um, but it was pretty amazing. So I, I, I think that that helped me and ha is still helping me heal because I started journaling regularly. I started getting up, doing the work and working deeply on those chakras every month. It, it's not fail safe. It didn't come without tears and fights and and crying and fear, but I feel like, and the pranic healing too, I was, I'm doing both of those at the same time, but I definitely think it gave me the strength to, to move forward with that, but divine timing, I, I really think that's what it was about. So what would you and say, Tad, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and of course, then Tad was supportive the whole time. I, you know, I was so worried and, and in my head, about it. And when I said I, I gave my notice, he's like, cool, you know, nothing like, uh, you know, and I had worked up this whole thing. Like I need to give some dissertation about why. And we just talk. It's Wolfie. It's Wolfie. I know. I have Wolfie. He lives in my brain all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's why I give him the finger and yeah. tell him to stop. Right. Exactly. What would you, what would your advice? Well, first, what is pranic healing or pranic? What is it? Pranic healing. Yeah. What is that? It's, it's another, it's a healing modality and it was based on Master Choa Koksui and he has now transitioned, but he, in a nutshell, and I will not do it justice, but he, he was from, um, he's Chinese, but grew up in Oh, I'm trying to remember where his family was. Doctor, very highly educated man. But he took all of these Eastern religions. He studied them from a, an early age. And basically, you're getting like all, all the nuggets from all these beautiful religions, including Christianity. And it's kind of incorporated into this modality of practice. And so, for instance, instead of in Reiki, where we just let ourselves be a channel for that healing this is more directed and so there's protocol there's colors that you can use but it's almost like it's a cookbook for 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 healing anything but it's also a daily spiritual practice and his main if you don't get anything else from it it would be to do the twin hearts meditation every day and that's about opening up of course our our heart center, but also our crown chakra, which is our high heart and brings down that divine love and focusing on healing the planet. So, you know, if you're not interested in, in doing the other portion of it, it's, it's basically, it's a sneaky way to get you to meditate and open up your, your meridians and your chakras, but it's also a healing modality that is extraordinary. It's, it, it really boosted my healing capabilities tenfold. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really cool. 
So what would you say to people listening that I think a lot of people, I don't think I know, a lot of people live in fear. We live in this idea that things should be this way and our life should go this way and all this stuff. And a lot of us, I mean, I I think a lot of people, I don't know, you know, don't recognize signs or they, we continue on and push through the day-to-day and the rat race and all these things that don't fulfill us because we think the house and the cars and the money is going to provide us happiness. Now, some people are happy with that and that's fine. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But for the people who really don't stop and say like, what am I really feeling? Or when is enough enough? Like, what would you say to people living in that space? Yeah, it always comes for ourselves and for what it's, you know, I was going to say, I I think it all comes down to compassion for ourselves. And what is this voice that makes us think that that makes us worthy? You know, that that we have to have this car, we have to abide. And, and I can tell you, that that military style, it was like, well, you're supposed to be this certain way and you're supposed to do this. Break free from that. It's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. You know, you, we, we've come here for a greater purpose than that because that complicates it. That's keeping you from what your true purpose is. I, I think that we all, not I think, I know we all have that inner voice, that inner guidance system. And it may be small for many people because they grew up in a home where they were told not to pay attention to that, but it's there and don't stop listening to it ever. And if you feel like, oh, I'm the only one doing this, know that you're not. Know that there's somebody else out there that is going to support you and love you and hold you up and honor you and you can make it and it's don't be fearful to break free from what the norm are doing. And it's so cliche. I wish I had something more eloquent to say, but I've been weird all my life. And, <laughs> and you know, and you know, I think most of us feel that way. These misplaced, it's like uh, Clarissa uh, Estes, she, she, women who run with the wolves, and she spoke about women who feel like they're misplaced zygotes, that we got sprinkled and left in these places when we were just little, uh, before we were even born, like we were left in these homes that maybe we weren't destined to be in, and I think we chose that so that we could bloom and blossom and touch other people's lives and tell them that that's not the only way to live, because it's not. There's something so much more magical than all of that other. You can still have that. I mean, we're here also to have the human experience in these physical comforts, and and that's important too, but it should not outweigh what our soul has come to do. And what is that? You said that we're here for a greater purpose. What what do you think that purpose is, or what do you know? I I feel like that's self-realization, knowing that we are part of God, we are we are just appendages of God, and we don't have to rely on anybody else to to be a conduit to source. I think that part of our privilege here is just remembering that we are God, and not in a disrespectful way. I don't say that in that that sense, but that we're source. We are source embodied, and all of us are. And 
so many people think that that's blasphemy, and I think we need to take a really close look at, no, that's honoring God in a very powerful way. And so I think that's what it is. It's, it's remembering that we are part of God. And so what would you say for people living in fear to like, you know, this is the No Regrets podcast. And my hope for it is, is to lift some of those limiting beliefs that we have. And, and society does put some of these on us, right? Like marketing and advertising, and you need to, you know, have this kind of lotion and buy these products to be XYZ or whatnot. So I'm hoping that people will, you know, kind of feel the fear and do it anyways. Right. Yes. Um, Absolutely. So I know that we get work like when everything feels good, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, I trust the universe. But when things are really bad and you're like stressed out and you have to control everything and, you know, and I look back on I can rattle off half a dozen situations right now where miracles happened when I didn't ask for them, but I can look back and see that they were. Or, you know, everything always is worked out. So how would you or what would you tell somebody who's like feeling that fear of, nope, I have to stay where I'm at. Nope. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not going to live totally, in your cliche world. You know? <laughs> you know? No, I, I, that's so funny because as you're talking about this, it's like, wow. I think about, uh, Strangely enough, I think about listening to Bell's Sober Podcasts, and it's about having a spiritual toolkit. Our toolkit for whether we want to stay sober or we want to be on track with our spirituality is going to be the same. It's about not honoring that voice inside of our head that is telling us that we can't do it or that we have to do a certain thing in order to be, it's the same, it's the same addiction voice. And whether we're addicted to alcohol, drugs, power, money, you know, our emotions, I'm learning that we can be addicted to our emotions. (laughs) Totally. And we, we also say that, Oh, that's just the way that is. Well, no, it's not. So I would say, take, Take 15 minutes and write down 30 things that could be your spiritual toolkit. For me, personally, as a, just as an example, this may be the same for you. It may not be the same for you. I love positive podcasts like this one. I say have those at your beck and call so that if you're feeling anxious because I, I get anxiety or I get restless, have that so that you can pop your earphones in and and start listening to something positive. I'm not talking about this trash that, you know, is going to just feed into your fears. I'm talking about Hay House Radio. I'm talking about you, No Regrets. I'm talking about an astrological podcast that's, you know, that you're learning something. Have something in your toolkit for that. That's important for me. Have treats. Have, Have yourself, and I know it may be sugar or whatever, Give yourself a treat. When you start having those thoughts, you say, F you, Wolfie, and then you go have you a treat. And you say, I'm going to honor the person I am inside. You know, I do that for myself. I go in the ocean. I, you know, so for maybe not everybody who has that, that gift, get in the water. You know, if there's something, because there's nothing more cleansing than getting in water. And if you can't get in the ocean, get in the pool. And or in a bathtub with some in a bathtub. salt. Some salt. Oh, yep. my God. In yep. essential oils, that's another one. So get in. And salt is a big cleanser. And I would encourage anybody, if you're feeling down, get in the shower. Do a salt scrub. 
wash it off and think about visualizing it. If you can, if you are already practicing some kind of holistic a healing modality, do that. Have that in your toolkit so that whenever you start feeling like, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm getting negative, close your eyes and pick up point on that list and say, I'm doing this. But you can go on and on and on. If it's taking a shower, get in the bed and taking a nap. Cool. Put yourself in time out. Go in the bathroom at work. You're going to say, oh, I can't go. I can't. There's nothing I can do. Go to the bathroom at work. Lock the stall. And if you have any kind of like essential oil, sit there and smell and just get yourself grounded again where you can go in with tools. But I think that's it. It's like it's it's getting your spiritual toolkit together and, and saying that you're not going to buy into that bull because that's what it is. It's, it's keeping us from living our purpose. And, and I'm, it's going to sound so zeitgeisty, but I think that that is just what's going on in our world right now, that the greater powers that are ruling with money on this planet, they don't want us awake. They oh, absolutely not. Oh, for sure. They no. want us. You think zombies are zombies are real. They are real. They're the people that are walking around, purchasing, feeling like they've got to do all of this and not pay attention to what's going on. And so we got to wake up. And, and I say step into your power. It's like Harry Potter. Like, you know how they're now it's like, OK, we were loving light for the last 10 years. But now it's Mrs. Weasley's going to go and kick some ass because it's time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. We cannot continue on this trajectory that we're on. We can't. As, we as a race, humanity in general, our planet can't. Yeah. Regardless if you believe in global warming, our, we are, humanity is the worst thing to this planet. It's like it is. We're just abusing it. It's just so upsetting. It is. But come from love. And so meditation, that's another thing that I think if anybody, and it's as easy as the breath, it doesn't have to be something elaborate. But I think if anybody, anybody has three minutes a day that they can, as they breathe in, I just heard this wonderful suggestion. And it was like, on your in breath, say I am. And then on your out, out breath, say the breath. And just do that. You do that consistently for three minutes and you will reconnect to your spirit and, and you anybody can do that right and you don't have to be quote-unquote spiritual I mean for anybody nope. could meditate there's nothing you meditate on God and take a bath that's not necessarily spiritual I don't want to turn anybody off by exactly. you know if they're what their um, belief system is right. um, yeah just it's about connecting to yourself regardless of how you get there Exactly. Positively. Because whatever we label that, that being, uh, that connection, that higher power, it's basically we're plugging into the same thing. But I just, it, it's hard for me to even relate to think, I know everybody has that in them. Everybody has that calling. And so I guess I would just say, honor that. Don't, don't keep ignoring it. Right. And you that other voice to just take off. Right. And how would you define no regrets? No regrets is, well, listening to that voice and doing what your heart tells you to do. If that's take a trip and it seems like it's out of budget or it's it's something that's, oh, I'll wait until I'm older. No, do not. Yeah, yeah, do, not do not put that off ever, ever, ever. Listen to that voice. Speak your words with love. That's another one. But 
I sit here and do I guess I maybe I did know I would end up here but I didn't have a plan for when I'd be here but it's all because I said yes it's always because I said yes and again no regrets because we took a chance and we were like yes we're gonna do this so what did you say yes to, though? I mean, like, was it like an opportunity or just like saying yes to yourself that like you wanted to end up here? That we wanted to. And I I fell in love with the place. And then at the time, Tad was still active duty, of course. We put all of our things in storage. This is and, and here's what I also believe, that if you start listening and saying yes, that God or whatever you call creator or the source is going to open up these opportunities that it's going to be pretty much smooth sailing. Yeah, there's still these other things we've got to do for lessons. But for us, we moved into the RV Stewart senior year, put all of our stuff in storage, and we traveled. We, we went to California. We, we looked all of these places. And we said, nope, we're going to sell, we're going to sell the RV and we're going we're gonna to move to Hawaii. We sold that truck, and we made money on it. We have never made money on any vehicle that we have ever sold, and the Army paid for our move across here as our final PCS station. It was just set up with that. So I think it's just that we said, yes, we're willing to entertain these other possibilities which gave us other adventures but tad more than anybody was willing to say yes to this is a big deal to come here and and leave family we left family there you go there's another one um that we just said no this is so i know this is all going to work out and i've probably seen my family more in the past five years than i did in the entire time we were in the army because they're coming to visit you yes (laughs) because we said yes and we said yes to, to what we wanted, not what we felt like we needed to say yes to everybody else to fulfill their destiny or their their fear. It's usually fear. If somebody's wanting you to say yes to what they're doing and they want to dismiss what's important to you, it's usually that's fear-based. Sure. And that I was going to say that. I think a lot of us, too, do things based on what other people are going to think or what others don't want us to do because of XYZ. And in my readings, one of the top five regrets of people who are dying is wishing that they lived life for themselves, said yes for themselves, instead of living for everybody else. Because at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the road, you're terminally ill and you're going well shit what (laughs) what was yeah what was this all for if I was living not for me and there lies the lesson yep so do you have any regrets it's so true yep I you know I I've been thinking about this and you know what I have none I my only regret is not I wish I weren't so fearful about money that that's my my one thing and I'm still working on that. I don't want to be fearful about that because I feel like that brings in a, that poverty consciousness. Yeah. So I honestly that would be my only regret because everything else I feel like 
I'm living. I'm, I, I feel like I am so blessed and in such a great space. And I think I try, I try to be in this spot of, of receiving because you just never know what, what opportunities you're going to get whenever you align with that. But no, fear of money. That's my regret. And I think a lot of us have fear around that scarcity and lack mindset. How are you working through that? Um, daily practice and affirmations. I love uh, Louise Hay. She's like my own personal angel. I think she is for so many of us, you know, uh-huh. and, and I just think about, you know, I, my, my life is prosperous and I just try to, I just try to work with that. And when I get into that mindset, I just try to say something like I, I'm abundant. My life is prosperous. I have uh, more flow coming to me, you know, just, and, and just work through that. But I think affirmations are the best way for us to step out of that. Yeah, because it just, if you think about those affirmations versus what, you, you know, Wolfie, right? Yeah. That's like, at least you could do that and just be like, I'm going to ignore you and I'm just going to keep saying these things, whether you write them down or you believe them, you just got to rewire yes. your brain, right? It's true. Absolutely. Well, if you believe it, we've been talking for an hour. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it either. I know. I'm like, holy crap. I know there's so much more to say, but like, yeah, we've been talking for an hour already. And so I, I know it just like that. I know. And well, I got to come here. I know. And I just, I know that this conversation is more spiritual based and I really do want to hit a wider audience and I don't want to turn anybody off. So like I just, but I just think it's important because I lose sight of all those practices. I get caught up into my thoughts and believing I'm not worthy and all these things. And it's just, I think what we've talked about here today is a good reminder for everybody, whatever your belief, religious or spiritual beliefs are, just to really like honor yourself and connect and go, what's true for me and things like that. And that just brings me to one one thing that I didn't say about the whole um, chronic healing. That oh, yes. Actually, Master Ko is going around with Tony Robbins, and he actually is teaching the meditation prod. So I know there's a lot of people that would maybe connect to Tony Robbins and because he has such a powerful message, and Master Ko is working with him as well, So who was um, Master Choa's predecessor. Yeah, predecessor. no, I, there's something – there's – I mean, science is coming out now with how meditation affects the brain and how it regulates our nervous system. And there's just, I think it's not such a foreign concept anymore, but I know there's also a lot of people that would poo-poo it and be like, I don't have time for that. What's that meme? You know, if you don't, if you can't do 15 minutes and you're too busy to do 15 minutes, then you need an hour or something. Exactly. <laughs> something like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I I just, oh my gosh, do you have any last words? I don't want to take up a lot of your time. Do you have any last thoughts or, I mean, your life has just been, you've just followed your bliss really, you know, what's in your heart and what felt good and not, and it's led you, it it didn't lead you astray, I should say. It, It led you to where you needed to go and you were always safe and 
yes. taken care of and all the and things were there when you needed it when you did that every time every what, time was there a time when you didn't do that based on fear not in the past 20 years I, I would say no I would say no more anxiety happened when I didn't in my early years you know in my like when I first when there was so much more fear but no no regrets how were I, I do have a question so how were you raised though like were you raised in that kind of philosophy or did you find it on your own like what was your upbringing you know I, I grew up as we said in Arkansas and I it was kind of a mix of both like had very like religious Church of Christ family upbringing and then my mother was very open to other esoteric beliefs and so because of her there was always this question but it's almost like I always knew there was something within me if that makes sense but I think it was that my mother was open to that that, that made it a little bit easier wow well that's good not a lot yeah. of us have that thank God <laughs> I know, right? there's believe me that's yeah that that's a whole other story <laughs> You need to write your book. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, there's a lot to say. But that's true for all of us. Right. No, I agree. So is there anything that you want to plug or mention or anything? I don't think so. I, I just would encourage everybody to check out the chakra dance right now, that and the pranic healing. And I kind of combine those two in my daily practice. And I think it speaks to a lot of people. And if you have an opportunity to, to try out a class, even doing it in your own home, I think for those of you who love movement and dance, I think it would really, really behoove you to Yeah, to I've try never even heard of it until, you know, you mentioned yeah. it, so... She's a Hay House author, and Is she it's really? yeah, and and it's a modality that. Well, she actually Deepak Chopra invited her several years ago to to share that at one of his retreats and called it like the sister to yoga or something. But no, I love it. It's it's movement. It's it's what we were born to do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. That's okay. My okay. Well, Angela, I want to thank you so much for your time today, and I don't want to take up any more of your time, but um, thank you for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me, and oh my gosh, such a joy to reunite with you. Same with oh. you. Thank you for listening to the No Regrets podcast with Kate. Be sure to subscribe. You can find this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or your favorite listening app. Please be sure to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at No Regrets Podcast with Kate.